0: Christianbeekcentral.com Episode 597 <laughs> Warning Access restricted please submit to DNA verification Processing Verification complete Access granted welcome <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Monitor Room at the Christian Geek Central Podcast, a biblical examination and celebration of geekery and geek entertainment, as well as the official podcast of ChristianGeekCentral.com. I was trying to, for a second there, I was trying to vary up my inflection points a little bit. I didn't quite commit. I think if I would have committed, it would have been really weird. Hello and welcome to the Monitor Room at the Christian Geek Central Podcast. <laughs> I'm Peter Franson from Spirit Blade Productions, producing entertainment and resources to hopefully equip, encourage, and inspire Christian geeks like you and me to live in the freedom and purpose that Christ has given us. For more information about Spirit Blade Productions, you can check out spiritblade.com or patreon.com slash Productions. On this episode, we're going to take a look at our emotions through the lenses of both scripture and one of my favorite sci-fi movies, Equilibrium. Uh, Using an article from our friends over at SpeculativeFaith.com And a special Q&A celebrating 2,000 subscribers was on our YouTube channel last week I am uh, presenting the audio from that that's also edited and fixed Because some things went awry Uh, And so, anyway, I hope you guys will enjoy that Um, Plus, we'll see what the Book of James can possibly teach us about the hearts of geeks when we are being wronged by others, just kind of like the state of our hearts, what we can learn and take note of about our hearts during those times. Plus, more assorted topics based on my geek week. Check the timestamps for more details. Here we go. Our friends over at speculativefaith.com are lending us another article. This month, it's the one titled Worth the Risk, written by Mark Carver, originally published March 4th, 2020. Carver writes, I rewatched an old favorite this week, Equilibrium. If you're not familiar with it, think 1984 meets The Matrix. It's a timely tale about a future that is practically at our doorsteps. Black-coated enforcers dispatch sense offenders with ballet gunplay, and thinly disguised Nazi flags fly on every corner, and the Mona Lisa gets incinerated by a flamethrower because it makes people feel. Isn't that where our world is heading? All kidding and choreographed violence aside, the movie does explore an interesting premise. Is mankind's volatile nature worth the risk? In the film, the populace is controlled by frequent doses of prosium, a capsule drug that essentially smothers all emotion. As the governmental figurehead named Father declares, "...at the cost of the dizzying heights of human elation, we have suppressed its abysmal lows." Anger, hatred, depression, and malice are anesthetized along with joy, excitement, love, and kindness. People are machines, not feeling anything one way or another, even if their friends or family are arrested and executed for sense offense. Taken from a purely humanistic standpoint, there is an element of truth to this notion. If cold, hard logic reigned supreme in the hearts and minds of every person, there would be a lot less crime and bad decisions. Even the members of the Resistance, an underground society that refused to take prosium, agreed that Without control, without restraint, emotion is chaos. They claim that feeling is what makes life worth living. But this is a very subjective point. Someone would argue that the powder keg of emotion is worth the risk because it gives life a spark, even though it may turn into a raging fire, while another person would say that it's too volatile and unpredictable, so just get rid of it altogether. As our society marches further away from God, it actively seeks to deny the gifts and blessings that he gives the whole world to believers as well as unbelievers. Emotions are one of these gifts, but in our fallen state, they have become corrupted. The Bible says that the heart is wicked, Jeremiah 17.9 and Mark 7.21, and it takes only a moment of self-reflection to see the mess of our feelings and desires. It also takes only a moment to look with disgust and horror at a world ruled by its emotions and appetites, and see how far the depravity of man can carry itself away from God. We know that the root of this depravity is not emotions, but the fallen sin nature of everyone that ever lived, apart from Jesus himself. Yet the world cannot accept this truth, so it invents new ways to explain it away and new balms to soothe the wounds." In contrast to films like Equilibrium, the trend seems to swing the other way, to hyper-emotional release. The internet is a deafening beehive buzzing with vented feelings, outbursts of rage, sensory overload, and wanton gratuity. Even in casual circles, being vulnerable and open with one's feelings is a virtue held in higher regard than being the strong, silent type and having a stiff upper lip. What is the result? Emotionally immature adults, fractured relationships and families, impulsive neurotics, unfiltered mental data dumps, offending people at every turn, and most importantly, increased self-idolatry. Would this be solved by emotional dampers? No, because the root would still remain. A perfect utopia does not depend on everyone getting along and having the same thoughts about everything nor is it found in unrestrained self-expression follow your heart is terrible advice follow the one who made your heart and those who have uh, listened or watched my content for a while know that that last line certainly resonates with me follow your heart is and and the different forms that that sentiment can take in storytelling is one of my biggest uh, irritations in uh, what hollywood and uh, you know other uh, creative mediums have come to express and promote over the years. But uh, I'll tell you what, this article, (laughs) even more, I think, uh, one points with me because it talks about one of my favorite movies of all time, Equilibrium, which is uh, well worth uh, checking out. And it was the movie that after I saw it, I was like, you know, this Christian Bale, he would make a good Batman. And then I learned just weeks later that he had been cast to play Batman. So anyway, uh, yeah, great article, some really... uh, thoughtful and insightful points, Uh, you can get the article Worth the Risk by Mark Carver and a ton of other great content, guys, over at speculativefaith.com. I want to remind you guys to check out the other members of the Christian Geek Central Network, such as the Strangers and Aliens podcast, the Theology Gaming podcast, the Untold podcast, P.O.S.T.O.S. Helix Reviews, and the Retro Rewind podcast. For more information about the CGC network, visit ChristianGeekCentral.com. Recently, uh, we celebrated um, the Christian Geek Central channel reaching 2,000 subscribers by doing a, a live Q&A. With me and a number of you showed up to the the chat room and uh, gave me things to talk about and shared your thoughts on some things over the course of, well, it was supposed to be an hour, but after about 45 minutes or so, uh, the internet... At my house and in my area just gave out, and uh, that hadn't happened in a while, so it was a disappointing surprise, but uh, I had a great time with all of you who showed up, and so I want to give you a chance to uh, enjoy that, uh, that whole conversation if you missed being there, and then on top of that... After I play uh, what we recorded from the, the, the live q and I'm actually going to come back and then answer some of the questions that remained in the chat room that I didn't get to but I, uh, because the internet went out. But that I copied onto a document so that I could address them and, uh, and not leave, uh, leave any of those out, hopefully. So uh, anyway, enjoy this uh, Hangout Q&A and uh, my uh, uh, little add-on at the end. That must mean it's time. Hey, anybody here in the chat? Finally, I uh, got off my duff and shared on social media. Let me make sure everything's running here. Let's see, is that go- There we go. Okay, so now it's showing up there. And let me pop that out. There we go. Okay. Hey, Scribbling Scribe. Hey, Ridge Napier thanks for coming out. So 2,000 subscribers, holy crap. I feel like it was just, um, man, like maybe, well, maybe it was just about a year ago that I did one of these for 1,000 subscribers, but that's been very, very cool to see things growing, and uh, it's never really snowballed and gotten like Gotten away from itself and been really impressively fast in terms of growing numbers, but it's been neat to see it kind of, I guess, predictably growing uh, over the last year or so. So, um, Richard Napier says, Want to chat about Marvel again like last time? Last time, like last live stream I did, or did we end up talking about Marvel last time I did a uh, one like the subscriber live stream? Um, yeah i 'll talk about Marvel what do you want to talk about what are you uh what are you digging on with with Marvel these days be it comics or movies or animation or what are you hoping will come about in uh, one or more of those mediums or whatever you you put the topic on the table and uh and i 'll be happy to blab about it with you i at the last second remembered, I almost forgot, to print out the plus three page of Many Topics, uh, which replaced the plus two page of Many Topics during the, um, the Extra Life livestream. The plus two page ran out of charges, and so had to be uh, abandoned. But I unearthed this artifact, the plus three page of Many Topics. This is even more powerful than the plus two page. Uh, let's see here. Okay, so it was the last live stream. Um, what would you say, says Ridge Napier is the most underrated sub-superhero, for example like how Venom has different ones like uh, Anti-Venom oh, so they're like uh, they're like a superhero that is spun off of another superhero if I understand you correctly um, I mean the one that, I, I mean as far as what's the most underrated, I don't know I'd have to think about that, but What comes to mind immediately, just the the most recent example, I've been reading, um, what is it called? Ultimate, Miles Morales, Ultimate Spider-Man. I've been kind of catching up on the Ultimate run, and I'm near the end of the Ultimate Universe run. And Spider, well, she's not called Spider-Woman, but Nancy Drew, not Nancy Drew, that can't be her name. That's the detective girl. Uh... Jessica Drew, <laughs> Jessica Drew, uh, who is actually in that universe, the clone of the female clone of Peter Parker, and she has kind of a slightly different power set, and she becomes Black Widow in that universe. Um, but I guess that would be kind of maybe what you're, what you're talking about is, is some kind of superhero that is spun off. They're not like a, necessarily a sidekick, but they're spun off of some other superhero. Underrated. Man, I don't know. Which ones come to mind for you as like ones that you think would be worthy of of more attention? I, I feel like, I guess I don't pay much attention to what other people are really excited or into when it comes to superheroes and stuff. I just like what I like and I don't worry about, you know, if, they're, if other people like them or not or really reflect on. Um, yeah, and that's a narrow category that I don't have a ton of experience in. Uh, I could name some underrated superheroes or some underrated comic books. One was, uh, I think it was called Hero, but it was based on the property dial H for Hero. And in, I want to say, like, the early 2000s, there was this really great uh, series that was able to end on its own terms, but just barely. It was kind of getting canceled and knew It was getting canceled, so it wrapped up its story pretty quick. But the concept is this dial that whoever gets their hands on it um, if they dial in H-E-R-O, they get turned into some random superhero concept. Um, and n- don't necessarily use it for good. But that's a that's a great comic book. Uh, let's see here. Ridge Napier says, Spider-Man 2099 is a cool variation of Spider-Man. Yeah, I have a few in long boxes tucked away somewhere. I've got at least one or two issues of Spider-Man 2099. Definitely a very cool look. And he's got those... Like, he... He actually has like a more spider like um well no that's not true. I was gonna say he has more spider like gripping abilities. Um because but I, that was where I was mistakenly thinking that Peter Parker is like an adhesive sticking where actually he does have these little teeny tiny fibers, you know, that kinda grip things. Um but uh whereas the, the twenty ninety nine like these much bigger single like hooks that come out of the the tips of his fingers, Uh, and he can, like, really, like, scratch people up on them, too. Um, Those weird Deadpool variations for me, I don't even know their names. I didn't even know there were Deadpool variations. Um, Probably thousands of variations of every superhero. Yeah, um, what I guess I would say is that, deservedly so, for a long time, I would have told you that all the spinoffs of Superman were not underrated they were rated appropriately as uh you know <laughs> deserving to be forgotten but i think once they once crisis on infinite earths wiped them out and they started in like the late 80s and early 90s creating new concepts that were kind of spin-offs of of superman um then it got more interesting like the first one was um, Matrix. Uh, that was the name of the the first Supergirl that came after Crisis on Infinite Earths. And she was, she was not Kryptonian. She was some kind of like a shapeshifter kind of thing, it was weird. Um, but I found her interesting because she wasn't just like another Kryptonian, you know. Same with um, Superboy, but I guess Superboy was always just Superman when he was a kid, right? But then the new Superboy that came along, I hated him at first. I at least appreciated that he was a clone and not just some other Kryptonian. But man, for a while there, before Crisis on Infinite Earths, they had... I'm pretty sure they had a Superwoman. I know there was a Batwoman. Supergirl, Superwoman, Superhorse, Supercat. I mean, they had different names. Superdog, Crypto the Superdog, you know. And I was so glad to see them go um, with Crisis wiping them out because... uh, and I didn't even read Crisis when it was published, but, I mean, retroactively, I was glad to see them go when I discovered that that's how they were disposed of. Because I felt like every surviving Kryptonian um, anything, dog, girl, whatever, made Superman less unique, I guess. Um, Ridge Napier says, So do you like graded comic books, or do you think they're boring since they're in plastic and you can't flip through them? correct. (laughs) Personally, I don't have any use for uh, comics that you can't open up and read. Um, I don't have any in my collection that I've said, oh, I'm not opening this. Uh, I'm totally content for other people to enjoy that facet of the comic book hobby, and uh, I will be... I will happily just read mine. (laughs) I've got some... I've got plenty of... uh, uh well-worn issues and some that are just lightly loved and uh and everywhere in between but yeah I, I do like to take really good care of my comics you know and when uh you know when i would lend them out and you know people or people would ask me or i mean do you really are you really protective of your comics you know i would say you know i mean no i'm not i don't collect them for value i just want them to last as long as they can so that i you know can continue enjoy reading them and now you know so that potentially my boys can start reading. Uh, my oldest, Asher, just recently really started connecting with um, the Justice League series that was based on the animated show, and uh, and he's in sixth grade now, and so I anticipate that sometime around next year, um, he'll be, you know, done reading those, and he'll maybe be hungry for uh, for some more, like, I don't want to say adult, but Some comics that are aimed at mid to late teens, you know, and older. So, we'll see. Uh, Let's see here. Ridge Napier says, I'm 15 and spoiled to CGI, so I don't like the original Superman movies, lol. (laughs) Yeah, I can... Yeah, it's... I I had a sad realization with... uh, Man, that's... So, you're 15, so 12. You're just three years older than... uh, um, than my son. That's crazy. Um, I've interacted with you in chat before. I've guessed that you were 15. Um, so good on you to just carry yourself with maturity. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Asher, I kind of realized it's probably, um, I probably missed the boat on the, uh, on the Superman movies. The original, like Christopher Reeve one, I think he might be into, and maybe you would be too. When you're, if you ever gain an interest in like um, film, like filmmaking, and just acting as a as a discipline or whatever, or or if you find yourself able to be interested in a movie that's purely because of the story and the drama, as opposed to like you know wanting the explosions and stuff like that. Nothing wrong with that, you know. But um, and I think when I was like uh, in I think, gosh, even up and through some of college, I was not interested in just, like, flat-out dramas. But I think if you get to the point where you are interested in dramas or you're interested in stories, movies, like, just for the performances, just for the the script and stuff like that, what Christopher Reeve does with Clark Kent is really brilliant. I mean, he just created, uh, like, a, a... I think his Clark Kent is, in some ways, more memorable and more definitive than his superman you know just like his bumbling and his and realizing that that's all an act i mean yes it's an act because christopher is an actor but i mean in the story superman is acting he's acting like a buffoon you know um it just uh there's a lot of interesting depth and richness in that performance that i really appreciate and so even as the the superman stuff in those movies the action sequences gets related and just more and more cheesy as the years go by i think you those Clark Kent scenes and still really get something out of them. Um, hey, Gabriel, thank you. He says, "Congratulations on 2,000 subscribers. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, it's it's cool, weird, and you know, and, and it's it's weird because it, in some ways, it feels like a big deal. Like 2,000, dang, there's 2,000 people that at some point said I'm interested in in more of this person and what he's doing." You know, and so that's two thousand people that just click that button at some point, even if they've long since forgotten, you know, about this channel. Um, and at the other hand, you know, my boys, I told them today, uh, I'm I'm doing a live stream today, boys, and it's actually it's it's kind of a special one. Do you know why? It's because I have two thousand sub- subscribers for the YouTube channel, and they're like, oh, and they like like clapped, you know, and and then uh, my youngest said, yeah, Dan TDM has twenty six million subscribers. <laughs> and I was like, yes, I'm sure he does. <laughs> uh, but you got to celebrate these milestones, you know, even these little milestones, you know, when they come along. So, um, wasn't there a super cow or bat cow or something cow? Hmm. I want to say that there might've been a bat cow. I can almost imagine it in my mind. As horrifying as that thought is. That, I mean, like, all the bat stuff there was there was definitely a Bat woman, bat girl of course, um Bat might, uh, which is like this little cartoony type character that even like it wasn't Alan Moore who was it Grant Morrison tried to kind of bring into Canon as some kind of like a psychological construct in Bruce's mind or something, you know um. But it was it, it was really sad to see some of those Bat offshoot characters. And like, mm, no, I didn't like Batgirl for like the original. I mean, what little I saw of her um, before um, she was paralyzed, uh, I was not interested at all in Batgirl. And then Gail Simone wrote her when she got unparalyzed and brought back. And I don't know what it is. Gail Simone seems to be able to write the phone book and make it interesting to me. Um, and that first issue of Gail Simone's Batgirl, I looked at that cover as like, I'm going to hate this book because she looks all prettied up with her hair flowing and a big smile on her face like she's ready to walk on the runway. And I'm just like, listen, if you put Bat as the first half of your superhero name, you know, you're, you're in some way conjuring up, taking on the mantle of the Bat, you know, that Batman has carried, then you need to be a terrifying creature of the night, you cannot have this big glossy lipstick smile and your beautiful red hair flowing out. It just does not work for me. Somehow, that that book was great. I really enjoyed reading it. I hope to get back to it at some point, but it was one of many that I just dropped when the New 52, I realized, was just not not for me. Um, on that subject, though... I, uh ordered myself this not too long ago and uh looking forward to reading it's just volume one volume two isn't going to come out till sometime in may i think and uh my original plan for my essential issues series of which i just posted uh one recently and it had been quite a while since the last one my original plan was to have that whole series lead up to my reading of this complete story Um, which would then determine for me whether or not I would uh, return to DC Comics, to purchasing DC Comics and keeping up with their stories in any way, you know. Um, But that Essential Issues series, there was a lot more essential issues than I initially thought when I came up with the concept. There was a lot more uh, stories that I would consider, like, essential issues. So it's taken a while. (laughs) to get through that. I mean, there's still a long way to go. We're like maybe a fourth of the way through the list I have for that whole series. Um, So I'm actually going to jump ahead, and just because it'll be more timely and relevant, uh, and as soon as I'm able to read volume two, I'm going to do a review and essential issues, you know, of that story. And then, you know, even if I read it and I'm like, well, crap, I'm still not going back to DC Comics, I'll still plan to continue with the rest of my Essential Issues series because they could always get another chance to turn the ship around if Doomsday Clock doesn't do it for me. Um, Let's see here, Uh, and hi, Rugged Warrior, thank you. Hey, Reed Benson! Thanks for coming out. Uh, Ridge Napier says, wasn't there a Superman 2 with a different ending as a director's cut? Well, yes, sir, there was, and uh, I was so excited to see that. Because, I mean, there's a, there's a whole thing, the commentary for that. That's another thing that, like, if you ever get into movies and how in, being interested in how movies are made, um, you might enjoy those Superman movies just to watch the behind-the-scenes features. There's some great documentaries on those Blu-rays about the making of Superman and what a significant thing it was to make a superhero movie to throw a bunch of money at it to really do it proper, at least at the time. Um... And to take it seriously. That's not to say there wasn't humor. There's lots of jokes in uh, the Superman movies. But the core of who Superman is, they took that seriously, you know. Um, so anyway, uh, but there was like a, a whole thing with Richard Donner um, and the, the Salkinds, who were the producers on those movies. And he just was not getting along with them. And to save money, they were shooting... Superman 1 and Superman 2 at the same time um, that's not a like crazy rare thing movies will do that in, you know once in you know uh, a little more often than every blue moon I suppose like for example the Matrix movies Matrix 2 and 3 were shot back to back at the same time as was uh, the Avengers Infinity War and Endgame if I'm not mistaken I believe they were shot no, 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 they, I think they were planning on shooting them at the same time, and, and they just realized, no, we can't do this, we've got to do them one it, But they, they did those back-to-back. But, like, uh, Matrix Reloaded and Matrix Revolutions, I'm pretty sure, were filmed at the same time. So, actors potentially go from one filming one scene in one movie to kind of, like, shooting another scene in the third movie, you know, or whatever. So, anyway, Donner shot a bunch of, of Superman 2... Um, and then there was the upset with the Saulkines. He got fired and replaced with another director, but because of some kind of like, I want to say like a union thing, the you know, uh, directors guild union or something. I don't know. In order to not credit Donner as the director, the other the new director would have to film a certain percentage of the movie, and so he reshot a bunch of scenes that Donner had already shot, and then he shot alternate. And additional scenes that Donner did not shoot, um, and one of the big changes is uh, is the ending. But if I remember correctly, that was going to be changed. Oh yeah, that was a change that was made um, when they first when they were when they when they realized they needed a better ending for the first one. So they during filming stole the idea for the ending of the second movie and made it the ending of the first movie. So spoilers, if you see the Donner cut, it ends very similarly to uh, the original S- Superman-Richard Donner movie. Um, you're welcome for the compliment, Ridge Napier. Uh, Scribbling, Scribbling scribe says, LOL. I'm not sure what earned that LOL, uh, so you have to let me know what you were laughing at there. Uh, yeah, Reed Benson says, There was super bat everything in the Silver Age. Yeah, Silver Age. Whew. Um... Let's see. Ridge Napier says, Personally, I would rather be a semi-celebrity than a full-on one. So, like, if I went in a store, one or two people could recognize me, but not a big fanfare. Kind of like an underground metal singer. <laughs> so maybe that's what I should aspire to have, the, the popularity of an underground metal singer. Because I, too, would not... Uh, uh, I don't think I would do well with fame. Um, yeah, that's, that's one reason, you know, that, I, that I've wondered as, like... You know, because I've always been kind of like on a performance track of some kind, you know, like a, a do things and perform. I mean, I've been like doing acting stuff with the audio dramas and all that. But before that, I was planning on being a a vocal artist. And so I've always kind of had that bent towards performing. Um, and, uh, and originally, I was planning on going to, I mean, in high school until, uh, until the start of my senior year of high school. I was planning on graduating and then, uh, you know going to acting school and, and uh, being in movies and stuff, you know, um, but I, I've i reflected in, over the years at at how God just kind of has steered me away from things that, even if I had the, the talent for it, you know, uh, would have resulted in, you know, really big fame, you know, and I wonder if that's one of the reasons why, you know, that my work hasn't, like, really exploded, you know, at this point. A good chunk of that is just because I'm bad at marketing, you know, but I also wonder if, God is just kind of protecting me and knows that, or or just like having me just not be in that that situation in life, you know, because he knows my, what that would do to my character um, in ways that I can't anticipate, or he knows that it would just be a real strain on me. Like you mentioned, I can't imagine the feeling of not being able to like be anonymous in public, you know, because I'm such an introvert. So like to... To go to the grocery store, I mean, it must be, you know, for some of the... Because there are, you know, some big Hollywood actors that are introverts. Um, And uh, usually they'll... They do a pretty good job of staying out of the spotlight. They're not the ones usually that are like in the, you know, like the the tabloids and stuff. Like, I think Johnny Depp is an example. I look at him and I've seen him in a couple interviews and he's very quiet. And he just strikes me as a real introvert. And, like, a guy that, when he gets in front of the camera, can do a crazy Pirates of the Caribbean character that's totally bonkers, and, you know, several of his characters have that really bonkers, over-the-top quality to them. And then you see him in interviews, and I'm like, you know, that's, I, I relate to that. I relate to being in front of a camera by myself, or being in front of a microphone when I'm recording for an audio drama, and just throwing myself in to whatever character or performance or moment or whatever I'm doing and creating, you know. But like we just had s- somebody over today because we're getting our windows, uh, we're getting our windows replaced in our house. And we had someone over to to kind of talk us through that. And, and it, it, you know, just a stranger, I've, he's been in our house before, but, you know, I like clammed up and, you know, uh, and he was like, hey, Peter, you know, and your office looks, uh, you know, like it's got even more fun stuff in there. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I've probably uh, probably gotten some stuff since last time, you know, or whatever kind of, you know, muttered awkward thing <laughs> I said. And I can be the same way at uh, at church. I'm very quiet and uh don't uh don't speak out a lot unless I'm in a a mode for speaking out, you know. It's a it's a it's a switch that I turn on and it's turned on now, you know. Um, or if I'm in a social setting, I can just kind of choose. I'm going to age with this moment socially. And so I flip... It's a it's a weird thing. I flip the switch, but but other times I can just totally sit in a room and be quiet and not say anything and sometimes even want to just not be noticed. And yeah. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> Scribbling Scribes says, ah, yes, but hath there ever spawned forth... A bat, bat. <laughs> hmm, he says. <laughs> uh, Ridge Napier says, "Do you own anything signed by Stan Lee?" I don't. I've got some signed stuff. Um, I've got a Spawn comic book signed by Todd McFarlane. Um, there's a, and it's, it's a, it's pretty, you know. I mean, well, I guess it was back. It's a book from, I want to say, the late 90s, early 2000s. I was going to say, oh, it's a special edition. It's like some kind of foil thing, but they were making those right and left, and most of them are probably worthless. But um, but a friend of mine was really big into Spawn, and he was also just kind of a, a giver. That was kind of the way I think that he, um, uh, probably, you know, I wouldn't have said this at the time, but like his love language, the way that he feels cared about and the way that he communicates care to other people. Uh, and appreciation for other people is by giving them things, you know. He, uh, um, and he would buy me sometimes things that I'd say, oh my gosh, that's too expensive, man. Why did, I, I, he, he can't be spending this money on me, you know. Uh, he bought me my, well, I guess you guys can't really see it, but I've got a, um, let me see if I can move the camera here. I've got a big Crisis on Infinite Earths poster back there um, that he bought for me, and he didn't, you yeah, know, he didn't buy the frame. He bought the poster. And so that actually didn't, you know, I mean, at the time, it was like probably 20 bucks or something. And uh, that was a lot. That's a lot for somebody to, you know, especially back then before we were like, you know, uh, out of college and like working and had money to burn and stuff, you know, before you get married and have kids. But then he also bought me my, um, also up there, and this one was uh, expensive, but my, it's way up there in the middle there, my Green Lantern battery. Um, That was his wedding present to me. Um, but anyway, yeah, he bought me, a a Spawn comic book that was signed by Todd McFarlane because McFarlane, unless he's changed addresses, has lived in the valley for decades. Uh, Scottsdale, I believe, is where he lives, and so it was more common for him to be around for signings and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I've got that tucked away somewhere. That might be an issue that I have not read but not because I was like, oh, I've got to preserve this. I, I've just not been into Spawn. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Uh, you got to read Benson. says, I believe there was a Bat-Bat in the Mighty Mouse cartoon reboot. I got a toy of him in a Happy Meal. <laughs> That's crazy. I didn't know there was a Mighty Mouse cartoon reboot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right, what else, guys? I'm getting close to catching up with where you were at in the chat. Questions, comments, things weighing on your mind. I can always tap into my plus three page of many topics, but you guys are here, you guys are now. Uh, Ridge Napier says, my uncle's a huge superhero fan, and he said that straight up, Superman Returns was extremely boring. I can... I can relate to that sentiment. Um, I wouldn't have called it boring myself, uh, but that is because I was really connecting to the Christ metaphors going on, especially in the... near the climax of that movie and following the climax. Um... That was the, uh, I mean, they were leaning into some Christ metaphors in the Richard Donner movie, but they really leaned into it there, even more so than Zack Snyder did. And Snyder, oh no, that's not true. That's not true. Uh, At least in Superman, in Man of Steel. Um, But Batman versus Superman, um, well, for those who've seen that movie, he really leaned into it there, but... Um, probably not to a greater degree in that movie than, um, what's his dude? Guy who directed the X-Men movies. Brian Singer. Um, he leaned into it. All right, we had, uh... We'll shoot this. I'm assuming it'll disconnect me again soon. Hmm. Well, it's not saying I'm having dropped frames at the moment. I didn't see any warning of that. Did you guys see that starting to go south when... uh, before it cut out? Hmm. I mean, right now it's saying excellent connection for my stream, so... And that's the first time I've had any issues with the stream since we got, uh, since I got my new computer. Anyway. Huh. Alright, well, I guess I'll just keep trying for now. It looks like, I mean, that's a minute now that I've been back on without any dropouts, so. Uh, lost my train of thought, though. Let's see if I can find it again. Um... Well, let's see. Ridge Napier says here, <clears throat> another problem with fame on YouTube is you wouldn't be able to recognize individual fans' comments. I suppose that's, uh, I suppose that's true. One thing that I've, uh, always really appreciated about the Christian Geek Central community, and before that, when it was just the Spirit Blade Underground community, is just, uh, the regulars and getting to know people's usernames and, uh, um, and and getting to know their personalities, their interests, and just getting to connect with them on a deeper level, you know, like, uh, uh, via email. Um, and there, you know, there are some that, you know, over the years I've gotten close enough to that, you know, they have my phone number, you know, um, and they, and I'll get texts, you know, now and then, and, and that's a, that's a very small number, but, uh, but I've appreciated that, that over time, you know, I can, because of the size of my audience there's a few people that uh, are especially interested in investing in um, connection with me and in just being you know open with me and uh, and I and I honor that and I really appreciate that and, uh, uh, and and trust gets built over time and so you can you know develop these connections with people you know that uh, it's really cool. Um, I would think I could be wrong but I would think that even as your audience gets really big, there would still be kind of like a core that would be consistent, and that you would uh, get to know more. Um, I suppose if that core gets big enough, then you would get to a point where you can't give as much time to individual emails and stuff like that, you know, but I feel like um, I'm still a long way from that. That, like, especially if somebody sends me um, an email, um it's you know it's not, it's not a public comment it's an email that says to me they really want to connect with me you know um and uh uh on on a just kind of a deeper level you know because there's something about uh, s- private messages that i think um is more personal because there's not an audience i think when we're leaving comments and communicating with each other I think there's always a part of us that's aware if there's an audience, if there's other people that are going to be reading this or looking at what we're typing, but if it's just one other person and it's the message is for them, I think we open up more. I think we get more honest, and I think that's appropriate. You know, you don't want to, like, just put everything in your heart out there for the whole world to see, you know, so. Um, anyway, uh, let me reload the chat here just in case, because it... Um, It says, chat disconnected, please wait while we try to reconnect you. Unable to connect to chat, please try again later. So maybe I just need to X out the chat and restore chat. And, uh, no? I don't know. Maybe I'm not doing this right. Do I need to just refresh my whole streaming page? I'm afraid of what will happen if I do that. I probably shouldn't do that. You know, but I will anyway. Here I go. Oh, there we go. Okay, so that was the right thing to do. That was the right thing to do. I needed to refresh my whole thinking stream page. So now I see some new uh, comments here. Uh, Gabriel Stinson says, How is everyone doing with social distancing? Um, as I commented on the forums and on the podcast recently holly and i both work from home and uh since spring break which spring break was three weeks ago our boys have been home with us they were you know like the weekend before they were supposed to go back to school after spring break we got notified no no they're not going back to school they're monday monday no school and then by Sunday, we heard, uh, no school for the next two weeks. <clears throat> and then just this morning, we got a text from my dad, who's a retired uh, teacher from our school district. So he's still kind of connected and in the know and stuff. He uh, let us know that school had been canceled, and this is public knowledge. Um, school had been canceled for the rest of the year. So we are social nearing. We are not social distancing. <laughs> And it's pretty intense. In fact, I had to sit down with the boys today and just kind of reset some expectations because uh, Holly was just kind of starting to get stressed, you know, because <clears throat> some things... She's a pharmacist. She works for an online company. And so because of the coronavirus, uh, there are various um, uh, just things going on in the pharmaceutical industry, as you can imagine that are bringing about changes in her work, uh, her normal work status quo, that are introducing uh, extra stress into her life. And then on top of that, to hear the boys playing and laughing and screaming and fighting and, you know, and stuff like that, uh, it just got to be overwhelming. And so uh, we established a new status quo in our home where from the morning until 3.30, which is when they would be home and after being in their rooms for an hour, because normally on school days they come home and they do homework in their rooms and then just for whatever time they have left of that first hour home, they just stay in their rooms. So, if, until 3.30, our house is like a library, I told them. that they, We just got to think of this this place as like a library. You got to be really quiet. You can't have anything on loud when you have screen time. It's got to be really soft. And uh, no matter what you're doing, we got to treat this like it's a library. And just got to use soft muttering voices until 3.30. So, Uh, let's see here. Aaron L. says, I'm playing... Oh, hi, Aaron. I don't think I said hi to you since you you, uh, showed up. I'm playing Metro Exodus on Xbox Game Pass and listening in. Um, Sweet. I really wanted to get into the series. I really gave it a good try. It just got to be too hard for me. Um, Yeah, just got to be too hard for me. I mean... With me in difficulty, it's a combination of both the difficulty itself and my tolerance for dying and restarting material I, and playing it again. I get so discouraged by dying and then having to go back and do something again. It's so discouraging to me that um, you know if I if I'm if I die and get sent back and that happens you know once or twice in the whole time I'm playing like a 15-hour game, that's fine, you know. But basically, if I Attempt something three times, don't succeed on the third attempt, I'm done. <laughs> I just can't take it. Uh, let's see here. Um, yeah, Scribbling Scribe says email is very underrated in our uh, generation, I think is what you mean there, of instant communication. Emails take more time and are therefore often far more substantial. Yeah, and, you know, I think it's that interest in substance. Oh, man, I'm going to sound like a, I'm going to sound arrogant and conceited. So I I don't mean that to sound the way it is, or and I don't think that's where my heart is, but I'll just put this out there. I think one of the reasons that um, Christian Geek Central has not become more, uh, like, noticed and stuff like that is because of my lack of interest in m- most social media platforms. Um, I, You know, we have forums at ChristianGeekCentral.com, and that's really become something of a novelty. It's a bit of a, an antiquated concept. I mean, Facebook really replaced forums and twitter replaced facebook you know and with each iteration of the new hotness in social media the substance that is possible in what people can share uh, gets smaller and smaller and thinner and thinner you know and for me you know the content that i produce yeah i mean i'm doing stuff about video games and a bunch of dorky nerdy stuff you know and a lot of it's you know fun But it's within that context that I also want to talk about deeper things and treat topics with more care and substance and length, you know? I mean, you can't, you know, you can't, there's there's just things you can't do on Twitter (laughs) or even Facebook, you know, um... And, uh, or in the comment section of a YouTube video, you know, I just got a a YouTube question today that was like a question about, like, basically who goes to hell. And I was like, yeah, wow, I mean, I totally want to engage with this comment and with this person and this question, you know, but I just had to confess to them in my answer, uh, this, oh crap, we're getting dropped frames here. Am I going to cut out again? So at that point the internet uh, died, and I was in the middle of talking about responding to someone's question that was kind of a, like a pretty substantial, heavy nature, and I kind of was going to say that I, I I had to kind of uh, just preface my comments by saying you know this this uh, format is really a difficult one to try and answer that kind of question on because it's not it doesn't allow for really long answers, long-form answers that can really be more thorough and of substance and stuff. And so I've really just come to value communication that's one-on-one, communication via email, and any communication forms that will allow a nice back and forth to go on, uh, maybe over an extended period of time, if both parties want to be involved in that, uh, and that, uh, I think when you're speaking privately, you know, you can be more real with each other, even though we try to be real with each other in other contexts. I think that those private one-on-one emails, uh, there's just a, a, a more potential for uh, being personal and deep and uh, and more thorough in, in chatting about whatever you're chatting about. So, uh, yeah, so I wonder, you know, how much growth that uh, my content has missed out on because I just haven't given myself to spending much time at all on those social media platforms that I don't find conducive to uh, Exchanges that have more substance to them. So uh, But I I think that the content that I do produce, where I produce it and how I produce it Is that much more appreciated by those who find it. That's the sense I've gotten from the feedback over the years uh, Is that what I'm doing is there is a uniqueness to it and I think that's part of it. So uh even though i do always want to like consider how i can uh uh you know connect with people via some of these other social media platforms that i do not gravitate toward um, i uh, i definitely have some degree of peace and satisfaction about uh neglecting those to some degree in favor of creating content in formats and in uh, through mediums that have more potential for being substantive um all right so let's look at some of these comments that i missed because the internet went out um, Scribbling Scribe commented I might have read this already Email is very underrated in our age of instant communication Emails take more time and are therefore often more, far more substantial I think I did springboard off of that comment Ridge Napier asks What is your opinion on vaping? Uh, I don't really have an opinion on vaping um, I think that uh, Except <clears throat> the opinion I would have on anything else that is potentially addictive So if you're using, you know, um, vaping uh, fluids or whatever they're called that have an addictive property like nicotine or something like that, you know, um, then I think that, you know, we want to be in charge of our bodies because we want to be able to give our bodies over to God's purposes for our lives. And so when we uh, engage in any kind of addictive behavior um, where we lose control of ourselves and we are bent toward a certain activity that we cannot control, then uh, we have lost the ability to give Uh, part of our lives to God, you know, because some substance or craving or something is controlling us. And that's the case with so many geek things as well, you know, that it doesn't have to be a clinical addiction if we are giving ourselves over to something that we can't say no to. Um, And I'll readily confess, there are things in my life that I really struggle and sometimes fail to say no to when I should say no to them, you know, just like I should not I don't need to give my time to this. I should give my time tonight to my boys I should be willing to go and do this and self-sacrifice in some way, you know So there's all these moment-by-moment day-by-day opportunities, you know, and many of them I miss because in the moment I just don't choose what is the best thing to choose, you know? So I think as far as vaping goes, that would just be one more thing. Uh, I think you also want to be considerate of uh, of other people, you know? Um, just that, that goes for, like, why we would not use certain language, you know? Uh, the Bible doesn't outlaw a certain number of words, certain, like, you know, what we would call cuss words and stuff. But uh, the principles in Scripture would say uh, to... Um, Use your words in a way that you can, you know, have weight in Your your words can have weight in someone's life If you're going to unnecessarily uh, Be off-putting to someone because of the language that you use uh, Then that's, you're going to miss out on opportunities to speak into their lives To invest in their lives And so the same thing is true with something like vaping So those would be my only thoughts, I guess, right now uh, On the vaping Scribbling Scribe, uh, a fellow Mesa Uh... A uh, liver citizen person <laughs> comments now schools in Arizona are off for the year, crazy <clears throat> um, yeah, you know, I saw that, and it didn 't uh, wait wait a minute, did I know about that yesterday? I did know about that yesterday. I learned about that just yesterday morning um, so and we did this live stream like two mornings ago, so i think I think I saw that and it didn 't register because i hadn 't gotten the announcement i didn 't hear about it until I think the following morning. But yeah, we are uh, adapting to that now in the France and household where we both work from home, and so as I've said on the podcast and on the forums, while other people are practicing social distancing, Holly and I are dealing with social nearing with our boys, and uh, that definitely has some stresses and challenges involved that we are adapting to. Uh, Reed, Reed Benson is, says, have you ever heard of Apologia Church? Out of Arizona If so, do you have any opinions on their methods? They're very Calvinist But they're also very evangelistic And anti-abortion I have not heard of this church Um, You know, I don't take a Like a strong Calvinist position But there are some things about Calvinism Some principles There's some heart in Calvinism That I really appreciate They have a very high view of God You know, and so uh, I don't view I don't see being Calvinist As necessarily a, a negative thing You know, um uh, apart from, you know, some things that I would say, yeah, I don't see scripture that way, but I mean, like, you know, uh, I think that all these different denominations, um, they're all pretty much, you know, missing out on some little detail, you know, I think, uh, anyway, that's kind of a side topic, but um, but yeah, being evangelistic is good, um, I think um, being anti-abortion um, is good, That's but that's to simply state my position like that is oversimplistic and broad, so uh, I'll just say that there are some more comments I would like to make on that. But uh, uh, but I'm, I'm most curious about your um, comments here. Do you have any opinions on their methods? So I don't really know anything about their methods. I take it maybe they're controversial. Um, Someone else commented on them scribbling scribes, said in response to that, Apologia is awesome. I have learned so much from them over the years, and their work-fighting abortion is encouraging. So, yeah, I don't know anything about that organization, um, so I'll have to uh, I'll have to look into that. Uh, Ridge Napier says, I don't trust vaccines. Bill Gates said, if we do a really good job on them, we can reduce the population, basically. Um, yeah, I have no idea. I've, I'm not familiar with that comment from Bill Gates. And uh, I have... Uh, I wouldn't say that I don't trust vaccines, but I think there are some things that um, uh, that we have yet to be fully aware of regarding vaccines and factors that uh, a lot of people maybe don't consider um, when they vaccinate their kids. But uh, we did vaccinate our kids, but did it really paste out and slowly um, to avoid the chances. I mean, it, there's just a lot of anecdotal evidence, and it's it, the, getting the hard evidence about the effects of some vac- vaccines is really hard to nail down. There are people that will very passionately tell you different um, but I, they have not made their case to me persuasively. Granted, that's also not an area of interest for me that I'm really interested in, in examining the cases pro and con and stuff like that. That's been more something that my wife, Holly, has been, uh, uh, kind of like the eyes and, and ears for in our family. But, uh, yeah, so I can't really comment very much on vaccines or any comment from, uh, Bill Gates about them. Um, <clears throat> Scribbling Tries says, I can't imagine the stress for people who have to handle the complication of kids not at school, plus the many job layoffs and being stuck at home if they do have to work. Yeah, I mean, you know, we are so blessed to still have my wife able to work. She provides the income for our family. Spirit Light Productions, Christian Geek Central, do not feed into our family income. Um, And uh, so her being able to continue work has just been a wonderful blessing. It's uh had had some mixed junk in with it because uh stress has increased at her work. She's a pharmacist, she's a work-at-home pharmacist. And uh, so all kinds of things are changing and shifting in that arena that she's having to adapt to and that have brought some serious stresses into uh into her recent days, but uh um but yeah, <clears throat> we I know, you know that uh she and I still have it much better than than parents who are having to figure out how to work from home. Period. Along with, as you say, having kids home at the same time. I mean, we basically are adapting to quarantine. You know, by shifting into what is our summer schedule. You know, because we've been both been working at home for enough years now that we've gained we've learned some rhythms of. uh <clears throat> of having the boys at home during Christmas break and then for months during the summer vacation I come up with a schedule for them and so I just had to scramble and update that schedule and uh, put them on it you know uh, a lot sooner um so yeah yeah that's uh, if anybody wants you know any any prayer right now um or any community to connect with I encourage you to go over to uh, our forums as one uh, option I would humbly uh, recommend uh, that's over at christiangeekcentral.com And there are people people there that would love to To pray for you and just chat with you, you know Give you another human being to in some way interact with, you know Um Rugged warrior says i'm taking this as an opportunity and going to start personal training school. Oh, wow I wish that uh, the live stream hadn't cut out so I could ask you more about what that is going to involve If that's some kind of online thing or like a personal thing you can do all by yourself or what but, uh I continue to respect your uh, commitment to physical fitness, Rugged Warrior. I have been, uh, you know, as many of you guys know from listening to the Christian Geek Central podcast, I've been sharing the results of my weekly waistline update for months now, all the way back going to August 2019 and uh, continuing on. And I just kind of finally broke through uh, four, four weeks of being at the same measurement by making some additional changes and... Uh, and so it 's been a it 's been a good process it 's been certainly challenging but it 's also been rewarding and uh yeah, I think about uh, uh guys like you rugged warrior and it 's encouraging so uh yeah, my hat's off to you and that 's it that covers uh, everything that was left in the chat um, I want to say thank you to all of you who have watched my videos, who have subscribed who have shared my videos with anybody else. Um, you guys have been instrumental in helping this channel to reach 2,000. And it's people like you that uh, will, if if God is uh, willing, um, allow us to get to 2,500 and 3,000 and beyond whatever God wants to do. So thank you for being a part of what God has been doing uh, in the Christian Geek Central channel and uh, and beyond that. So thank you very, very much. That's it. I look forward to talking to you again another time. Bye-bye. Data collection complete. Activating user net 1.0. As a reminder, over on our forums at ChristianGeekCentral.com, under Fan Zone, you will find the uh, the topic Your Summer of Free 2020 and Quarantine Suggestions As I mentioned, I think, last week I'm starting to think that our celebration of the Summer of of the summer of Free at uh, Christian Geek Central is going to have extra relevance this year, as many people are going to be aiming to either save money or, uh, you know, or just looking for free entertainment while they're stuck at home, um, and since I I had a note recently in my work schedule to start doing my research for this year's Summer of Free Celebration. I thought it would be wise of me to not uh, just lean on my own understanding. (laughs) But also invite you guys into the process if you have any ideas on uh, fun, free entertainment. So I've pinned that topic on the forums. Again, it's titled Your Summer of Free 2020 and Quarantine, in parentheses, Suggestions. Uh, that's at ChristianGeekCentral.com. On our forums, go to FanZone, thread, uh, titled your summer of free 2020, blah, blah, blah. Um, whenever you have a suggestion for geeky entertainment that is both 100% legal and 100% free to anyone with an internet connection, um, please be encouraged to post it there, and I would uh, be very appreciative. Uh, so yeah, more on that summer free stuff. Oh, and I found some, whew, wow, I found some really cool stuff, specifically tabletop related that I cannot wait to share with you guys. And at YouTube doc, youtube.com, almost youtube <laughs> utub.com. I want that URL. I don't know what I'll do there. It's going to be interesting. At youtube.com slash Christian Geek Central. I posted the video "Emotions: Our Dangerous Treasure" based on the spec faith speculative faith, excuse me, article. Uh, I'm their their Twitter handle is at spec faith, and so I I think of that very often instead of speculative faith. Anyway, that was on Wednesday. Um, This podcast is going to go up early in the week, and so I'll just tell you what I have planned and what I have set to auto post already. uh, Thursday should be posting part 20 of my 24-hour Extra Life Marathon from back in November. And this uh, segment titled, Going Nuts and Trying to Stay Awake. There was two hours where the patrons uh, of patreon.com slash Productions were invited to get on a live audio Discord chat with me uh, during that live stream very late at night. It was... it was the uh, hour that, you know, that they voted on To be the best for them And it's actually like some overseas guys primarily That were there uh, for that And um, and so they were chatting it up with me for a couple of hours And this is the second of those two hours Where I was noticeably starting to lose it <laughs> And they were commenting on on that as well And my sister was there with me And so everybody was just noticing me slowly crack up <laughs> Uh, so that was fun. Um, and then also on Friday, the uh, the 2,000 subscriber Q&A that I edited and kind of fixed a bit should be auto-posting on uh, Friday, even though I will be uh, off the grid for the last two days of this week. Anyway, if you do go over there to youtube.com slash Christian Geek Central, I'd be grateful if you would like, share, subscribe, click that notification bell, and Just in general, do whatever you want to spread this content around to those you think can benefit from it. Uh, I'd be real grateful for that. Let's see Christian Geekly news highlights from our Twitter feed at Christian underscore geek include just one item this week. And in part, that's... Well, in part, you know, I should mention, last week when I talked about what the content for this episode was going to be, I think I mentioned, I'm almost sure that I mentioned, I was planning on doing a Christian Geek Radar segment. And that was my plan until this week actually arrived, and i just looked back at kind of the the news that had come out in the last month and and i just noticed things have really slowed down i think the the quarantine and coronavirus has, has got everyone kind of focused on either that and commenting on that and stuff and that's not really news that's in particular you know uh, you know for for geeks you know or or if there are geek outlets or geek entertainment creators and stuff they're commenting on something related to covid-19 and so it's not like all the potential announcements for new things or news or sales and stuff have dramatically slowed down. Um, And uh, in particular, news of, like, new releases of books. And there have been some, you know. uh, But it wasn't enough to, like, build a whole segment, uh, you know, a whole uh, uh, Christian, what do I call it, Christian Geek Radar video and uh, podcast segment on. So I decided I'm going to wait and just let those things build up a little bit more, and then uh, next month, hopefully have a more substantial and uh, and noteworthy uh, bit of news, collection of news items to share with you. But the one thing that I can share this week is that Cyan Incorporated, uh, these are the guys that made uh, the Myst games, the Myst series of games. And these are actually Christians, even though the games that they produce are not for a Christian audience or necessarily promoting a Christian worldview. Uh, although I'm told that you can see evidence of Christianity. Uh, of, uh, A Christian worldview in uh, *Mist* and and some of the games that followed, but that's that's hearsay. I I haven't played those games myself because the puzzles were too uh, obtuse and weird and vague, and I was going to be so frustrated. So I didn't play those. (laughs) But those games are hugely respected and celebrated and loved by many. And for those of you that fit into that category, I want to be sure you know, Cyan Incorporated, makers of the *Mist* series. Uh, tweeted out this week. These are the final days to pre-order Abduction for Xbox at a twenty percent discount, and then they provide a link where you can get that. And then they add also a reminder that everything on the Cyan Store is twenty percent off to celebrate the Abduction Xbox launch. So if you go over to com you can see all the other stuff that uh, they have discounted cel- as they celebrate uh, the uh, the launch of their of their new game, which is also in that vein. Of kind of a world exploration puzzle solving type of uh, experience so uh but anyway for links specifically to those stories and to stay up to date on the notable news and events from the wider world of christian geekery be sure to follow christian geek central on twitter at Christian underscore geek. And over at patreon.com slash spiritbladeproductions this week, uh, I posted a notification that the monthly Discord hangout this month is going to be Monday, April 13th. So that's this coming Monday at 6 p.m. Arizona time. And I provide a link for how you can figure out the relationship between Arizona time and where you are at. Because... I don't know, last month or last time I tried it, it didn't work out. and I, was t- I, d- I didn't communicate clearly enough or well enough or didn't do my time zone math research enough. I don't know. But it's, it's, a, it's challenging enough, and I've run into just an, uh, enough com- miscommunications or misunderstandings over the years that I think going forward, I'm just going to say, hey, it's going to be 6 o'clock here, or it's going to be this time here in Arizona when I do such-and-such such live stream or such-and-such such event or whatever, and then leave a link that'll take you to a website that will tell you what the time is in Arizona right now so that you can cross-reference that by looking at your watch and do the math yourself. And then I will not be responsible (laughs) for anyone missing any live events. I feel really bad when that has happened in the past. So Uh, anyway, so that's going to be 6 p.m. Arizona time, Monday, April 13th. And uh, any patron, um is going to be able to see the live uh not the live stream the the archive of the live stream and five dollar and up patrons will be able to actually uh participate and jump on discord and do audio chat with me um so that's that's all for patrons coming up monday april thirteenth uh let's see here and then i posted the pater's brain video and audio podcast uh, this last week, covering the month of March 2020, the ups and downs, and the things that I'm ruminating on as I try to madly spin all the plates that make up Spirit Play Productions and Christian Geek Central. Uh, So that's what that whole audio series is about. If you're not familiar with it, it's a monthly podcast that basically is made up of my journal entries that I record of myself. I record video journal entries just randomly throughout the month as it strikes me as there's something that I'm frustrated with or excited about or thinking about or, you know, dreaming up or whatever. I uh, record those in a bunch of journal entries and uh, stitch them together at the end of the month and then share them with you at the beginning of the following month. So anyway, topics from uh, my brain in March 2020 included... Preventing materialism in my game reviews, uh, which is something that was on my mind and recognizing that, oh, you know, when I really review something glowingly, I want to be sure that I'm not contributing and encouraging materialism at the same time. So what can I do potentially to not contribute to that? So I share some thoughts and uh, ruminations on that. Uh, Changing what video games I review and the kind of game content I make, which is specifically related to... uh, not being able to rent games from Redbox anymore and also entering into the world of getting free uh, game downloads from publishers to uh, do uh, reviews, specifically reviews or some kind of coverage and just entering into that world. So I talk about kind of the nuts and bolts and kind of the complications and the uh, uh, some misgivings I even have on that kind of stuff. Um, uh, let's see, I talk about making content in light of COVID-19, the coronavirus, And adapting to my boys being at home since their schools are closed. (laughs) Uh, And also how video game content now disrupts my schedule. The way that I'm doing video game content, it's a... Yeah, it can really screw up my schedule. My schedule used to be a lot more predictable. Not so anymore and I talk about why and what's changed um, (laughs) in the realm of the video game industry and uh, my connection to covering it. Um, Then also I show kind of an example in the video version and also talk through it of course in the audio version on how I use tabletop games to write an episode of Campfire Quest. This is the uh, audio drama series that right now is exclusive to patrons, um, and uh, it's about an adventuring party, and just specifically the times they spend sitting around the campfire talking about the events of the day. And each episode is inspired by a specific tabletop game of some kind. Uh, Fantasy, you know, is going to be the default. And so I kind of walk through how I do that, how I take an existing, you know, tabletop session and make a story out of that and turn convert that into a script for my specific characters that i've created uh let's see i I talk about how getting free games affects my review content and uh there's a a few things to unpack there Uh, i also celebrated getting my first payment from youtube advertisements (laughs) that was a neat little moment and then finally i share my reservations about reviewing titan quest ragnarok um, which I did last week, um, with, uh, with, uh, I don't know, trepidation's probably not the right word, too strong of a word, but definitely had some hesitations, had to think long and hard about how I wanted to approach that, for reasons that I talk about, again, in those audio journal entries this month for patrons. I also posted Skyrim the Rise of Eldarast, episode two, which is, uh, also exclusive to, uh, patrons right now. It's the, uh, Continuing adventures of my nasty old wizard Elderast, uh, and uh, going through the main quest line of Skyrim and uh, interacting with it. It's a it's kind of a role play let's play where most of the time I'm role playing as this character, and then uh, now and then I'll make some comments. I'll break character and make some comments, you know, uh, just as myself, you know. Uh, but uh, that's been. That's been a lot of fun. I have already recorded the third episode. That's going to go up in a couple of weeks. And, uh, man, the third episode, you know, I really started, like, getting into the character and, like feeling like uh the the vibes of like you know getting in, into his headspace i guess that's what i'm going for getting into his headspace and letting that just kind of play out naturally given my circumstances as i go through uh the dungeon crawls and adventures and uh, towns and people and circumstances of skyrim so that's been a lot of fun and just a reminder at 30 patrons Of which we are just three patrons away. We're going to have a pizza with an asterisk party on Discord. I'm really looking forward to that. I already know where I'm going to get my pizza from. Um, Anyway, so that's... uh, if, If you would like to bring us there all the way, you can just jump on for $1. And there's also a bunch of, you know, exclusive stuff that gets unlocked for you as well. Stuff that's been building up in the archives for the last year and a half. Uh, just tons and tons of, uh, of uh, content That you would instantly have access to Even just the $1 level So, uh, And I do want to thank all of my patrons That have been just faithfully supporting me Especially in uncertain times like this uh, I really am grateful for uh, your sacrifice and uh, just your your faithful and consistent support. So, thank you very much. If you would like more information uh, about becoming a patron, of course, you can go to patreon.com slash spiritblade productions. Now it's time for the weekly waistline. 1 Corinthians, chapter 9, verses 25 through 27. In the ESV, it reads, Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we and imperishable, so I do not run aimlessly, I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. As geeks were known for our creativity and intelligence, but not especially known for our self-control when it comes to the various pleasures of life so 1 Corinthians 9, 25-27 is the mission verse for me as I aim to be more responsible with my body and just grow in my ability to generally say no to my desires when appropriate Uh, my goal is to lose 6 inches off my starting waistline of 42 inches, my wife is joining me trying to lose 4 inches, since we do need some help as we develop this discipline there is a prize pool of fun money waiting for each of us at the end and a 50 Dollar bonus to whoever gets there first. For more details about the whole thing, episode five sixty five is the one that you want. For now, the weekly waistline for me is thirty eight, just straight up flat thirty eight inches toward my goal of thirty six. Uh, so that is that is what is that? That's like a that's a half inch loss. That's a half inch loss, and in I did not think that was going to happen. I thought I'd be I would be happy with a quarter inch, and I got a half inch. So happy with that. And now I'm two inches away from my goal. And this is... I don't know if this is the thinnest I've ever been. I know sometime in my life I was uh, wearing 36, like a 36 waist. But I mean like where I wear my shorts and my jeans is below the widest part of me. And that's what I'm measuring is the widest part of me. So actually now I think what I'm wearing is um i mean at least 36 it might even be like i'm wearing 34 waists right now uh but anyway um i I, this might be i might be more thin now than i was before we got married and the body's a funny thing and age does weird things and time does weird things so you know I don't know if this means anything, but the reason I say that is because my wedding ring (laughs) is, I'm going to have to have it resized, um, after this is all done. Once I've kind of figured out how far this lifestyle change will take me and lock into that and say, okay, this is the sustainable rhythm now, you know, which I I already, I've already been doing things that I've, in my mind, have said to myself, this is sustainable. I'm not doing anything I don't think is sustainable basically for the rest of my life, you know. Um, But, you know, I still don't know, you know, my goal is 36, but for all I know, the the changes I'm making could ultimately take me lower than 36, which would be awesome, you know. But anyway, once I get there, I'm going to have to get my ring resized, because right now, it's already slipped off once without me even noticing it. And that was actually before, you know, that was actually a couple weeks ago. Um, But even more so, I'm just noticing that... Uh, it, it won't like If I hold my hand upside down It won't just fall right off But it's getting loose enough That under the right circumstances um, You know Or if my fingers are just Just a little less swollen You know Because that can change with You know humidity And what you're doing with your body And stuff That can change you know How kind of chubby your digits are You know? <laughs> um, But anyway It's uh, I, I can't imagine my fingers were This thin Because otherwise I would have gotten a ring That that fit more snugly uh, um, So so I think, I mean, but, but maybe, you know, my maybe it's just my fingers getting thinner and my belly's, you know, <laughs> not keeping proportional pace. I don't know. But I, I still find that really uh noteworthy. Um so that's that's been neat and exciting and weird. And uh, uh Holly is at 2.25 inches away, and she was sad to report a half inch. Gain from last week and she And she had gained a quarter inch Before that and so like when she texted Me because every Wednesday morning when we Measure at some point during the morning when she's when she's Taking her measurement measurement, she texts it to me And she added to the measurement This time I'm Going the wrong way (laughs) With a frowny face after that So I felt bad for Her and uh, I mean I really do Not like competition and so like even Though I say you know there's a little bit of a little bit of uh incentive for whoever gets there first you know I'm like oh man I'm wanting her to succeed and stuff and um but you know you don't want to be like you know uh pushing anything on her or like you know this is a delicate thing you know uh, and and if you're married you know what I mean especially if uh um well yeah well if you're a woman and you're married then you've run into probably um uh, s- interactions with your husband Uh, About the sensitive issue of weight or or how you look in something or whatever, you know Um, And then or if if you're you know uh, The husband then you probably have been on the other side of that you just recognize that between Husbands and wives that topic of you know her weight or waistline or whatever is like a sensitive thing And so I i'm you know trying to figure out how I can be encouraging how I can be helpful, but also just be You know respectful and not Put anything out there that says uh you know you should be this or you you know I'm, you know anyway so uh, but I am going to enjoy that bonus fifty dollars if I get there first, and at this point I might I might um she's uh she's two point two five inches away, but she's been more in that ballpark she's been in that ballpark longer than i have and i have just now reached you know i've been i've been pretty steadily losing with the exception of that like two or three months off or whatever it was for christmas never again <laughs> anyway uh as far as this week goes and how it went and you know what i can attribute to the, the weight loss um i i just you know i really just continued buckling down and uh and and limiting my, my carbs as much as I could And really just enjoying other non-carby things as much as I could I even fought off brownies I had one brownie But, you know, somebody from our church came over on Saturday And... I was like, what are you doing here? Social distancing or whatever, right? <laughs> which, you know, around here, it's not as as locked down as and as big of a deal. Um, but uh, that was kind of like in my mind, you know, that was what I went to because I was like, I don't want these brownies. She brought a tray of brownies to thank us for letting the church live stream a service at our house, which they did a few weeks back. And they've been, you know, doing it at a different family's house every Sunday since then. Um, And so she just, you know, gave She works at the church, gave me this Thing of brownies for our family, you know And I was like, oh my gosh, they and they were warm When she gave them to me, they were warm, guys They had, like, just come out of the oven She drove them over fresh from the oven What the crap It's like, this is, ugh And I, you know, I, I hid all of that And I didn't, you know, I wanted to just be grateful And just, you know Assume in my mind, this is for my family. This is for my family, you know. <laughs> so, I did give in and have one. I was like, "Come on, come on! What do you want from me?" <laughs> and so I did have one, but I was able to fight off having a second one. And uh, and I was not—I was going to not have any, but then I saw my family enjoying them, or rather, I saw them disappearing from the tray as I would check in on it from time to time. And I knew that they weren 't going to make it until I was you know going to be breaking my my diet um, and so i I took a couple, put them in a little plastic bag I have right here i 'm going to eat these at the end of the podcast i 'll give you warnings so if you don 't want to be tempted by brownies and the sound of me eating brownies then you can look at the timestamps and jump to the part after that. <laughs> I thought I would celebrate that moment with you guys. Um, you know, but it's, you know, I was I was really happy with the uh, fighting off the brownies as much as I did. I'm continuing to see changes in myself that are encouraging and kind of cool. Um, and I almost, as I think about, you know, my birthday celebration coming up that I've been... Uh, Working extra hard to be ready for So that I can afford to kind of gain a half inch You know if if that's what happens You know as I as I binge you know for 48 hours or so um, You know I wanted to really uh, Not be set back too much and so You know seeing all that progress almost makes Me feel like oh do I really want to go As nuts as I'm planning on going <laughs> Remember Christmas but Christmas I have to tell myself was over A course of weeks and this is going to be over Less than a handful of days and I think having these, what I'm calling feast days, are going to be important to me. You know, I'm going to have uh, this week... Sa- I'm already breaking my diet just a little bit, allowing the odd carb now and then. But, like, I'm really going to go nuts with all the stuff that I bought this Saturday while I have my birthday game thon And then also Sunday, because it's Easter, so we're going to have a special meal. And I'm just like, whatever. Let's- it's Easter. It's a feast day. Come on. You know? And I think having these periodic feast days, like every two months... Um, is going to be what helps me get through those other periods, you know, where where, it's, where I can say to myself, I'm not giving up these things forever. You know, I'm just being very intentional about when and, uh, you know, when I have them and uh, how much. Um, but I'm not saying no to anything for the rest of my life, you know. Um, I, so I think the concept of feast days is going to be valuable to me. Anyway, I'm reminding myself again, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 25-27, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we, an imperishable. So, I do not run aimlessly, I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified." I haven't tried that without looking at my script in a while, but I've got that memorized, so that's nice. That's good. That's, I'm, that's definitely going to be helpful. Stay tuned for another update on our weekly waistline next time. The truth will set you free. Truth is that which corresponds to fact or reality. To assert that truth is not absolute is a self-defeating proposition. Now, lots of things are possible, but our beliefs should reflect the best explanation of the available evidence. I'm no expert, but the time in search of truth the right now i'm going to attempt to examine the bible and dissect some of the churchy language that we can easily take for granted digging into history and languages when i'm able to try and get at the heart of the text so we can hopefully see and then apply some of what God has for us in these words today. Now, I'm not formally trained in Scripture. I'm just a guy using resources and a questioning mind to try and get at the truth. And that's something that we can all do, so I hope you'll do that with me. We've been going through the book of James. We've arrived now at chapter 5, verses 7 through 9. And in the ESV that reads, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. Okay, in previous verses, James switched to a mode of prophetic declaration against the unbelieving wealthy who were abusing Christians in poverty, warning these oppressors that they were just increasing the amount of wrath that was due them uh, because of their ongoing actions. Now, verse 7 again says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. The use of the term brothers in verse 7 is a cue for readers that James is speaking again to the believers who originally read and heard these words. Uh, that's what the vast majority of this book is uh, is geared toward, is believers, and he just takes that little detour um, to make that prophetic declaration in the verses we looked at last time. But now he's back uh, talking to believers, as indicated by the word brothers. Um, although... Even though these were for, you know, as I said Those who originally read and heard these words There's still plenty of application for us in these words today Uh, The word therefore in verse 7 Also indicates that James is giving instruction here In light of what he has just proclaimed Against the unbelieving wealthy abusers in the previous verses In light of the fact that God's judgment is coming against them Suffering believers are instructed to be patient until that day The Greek word used for patience Here describes the kind of patience that endures wrongful treatment by others as opposed to, you know, trying to pay back evil themselves. It doesn't necessarily involve silence or not speaking up when being wronged, but it is a patience that trusts God to bring complete and perfect justice rather than taking matters into our hands individually. The agricultural metaphor here paints a picture of farmers who had to wait for entire seasons to pass by before uh, they could harvest their crops. They didn't, you know, plant one day and harvest the next, of course, and one day of rain wasn't enough. Even one season of rain wasn't enough. They waited through two Rainy seasons, a drier season in between, uh, until sun, rain, time, all did their job to make those crops finally ready to harvest. Uh, Verse 8 again says, You also be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So likewise, believers should expect to wait to see the perfect Uh, justice of God carried out. Even our own justice systems, when they are working at their best, are going to bring a judgment that is incomplete uh, and often will not bring satisfaction or full satisfaction, I should say, to those who are, are wronged. Believers are waiting for a complete and perfect justice to be carried out when Jesus returns and repays everyone what they are owed perfectly even death is not an escape from judgment. Jesus will judge the living and the dead when he comes, and he's not going to overlook anything. And you can look at 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 5 for a little more on that. Verse 9 again says, "Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold the judge is standing at the door." This verse at a glance, seems to give instruction in light of our tendency to grumble against each other in the midst of difficult circumstances. However, the Greek word for grumble here more specifically refers to an inward bitterness that might surface as a groan or a sigh. Uh, As is always the case, God is not merely instructing behavior modification. He's not merely saying, hey, button up and get yourself under control, you know we can all will ourselves to modify our behavior to some limited degree. But God actually wants to bring about complete inward transformation so that our entire outlook, our entire perspective on things alters, uh, which brings with it naturally a change in our behavior as well in light of just the different way that we think about and feel about our circumstances. James warns against harboring bitter attitudes toward each other so that we can avoid God's judgment. Uh, Now, at a glance, this might alarm some believers. I mean, after all... Doesn't the Bible teach in Romans 8-1 that there's no more condemnation for those who have placed their faith in Jesus? So what's this talk of judgment? Well, the reason that we might become alarmed at that word is because of our mistaken tendency to read the word judgment in our English Bibles or judge in our English Bibles and automatically assume that those, uh, those verses refer to God's wrath or our eternal destination to either heaven or hell. But the Greek word for judged here means something very similar to the English word, which in courtroom contexts refers to evaluation. And just as courtroom judgments today can rule in our favor, so can the judgment of God. Uh, of course, James here, given the context, is warning specifically of uh, a negative evaluation that we want to avoid. Uh, and we are going to be evaluated by God. 2 Corinthians 5, 8-10 through 10 says, Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. When we neglect opportunities to obey God in this life, uh, as you and I very frequently do, uh, we are going to find ourselves missing out on associated rewards uh, connected to those opportunities when we stand before Christ's evaluation of us. Uh, and god doesn 't want to see that happen, so he reminds us of that reality here through James, so that we can uh, receive all the rewards and not miss out on all the potential things that uh, uh, that that God is offering us as we live in this very strategic, significant time of what will be an eternal existence for us so what 's in all this for geeks? Well, many geeks, myself included, have deep ...and active internal lives. We are quietly pondering or imagining or stewing on all kinds of ideas. Very easily, in difficult times, I think, we can also turn to quietly feeding bitterness... Or passively, invisibly carrying out little bits of revenge under the radar, you know. We'll think to ourselves, well, fine, if they're going to treat me like that, then I'll just do this, you know. And maybe we think that they won't even notice that it's coming from us. We just kind of want to mess with their life a little bit in some small, little, petty, revengeful way, you know. Uh, Or maybe we take no action, but we willingly marinate in our own resentful moods as we think about those who have wronged us. Um... Just uh, just recently, just because we're a little bit more confined And, uh, you know, s- spending more time with our family Because of the quarantine going on right now uh, You know, I- I'm just noticing I- I'm a little bit more uh, on edge Or a little bit more um, quick-tempered, I guess You know, with uh, with losing patience with my boys Or with my circumstances or whatever You know, and so if, if I-, I don't, you know Take some action to change my uh, train of thought I can find myself stewing uh, in my own negative (laughs) marinating juices in a way that just uh, negatively affects my interactions with others. It just brings me down, you know, just my attitude and my outlook is crappy and just, you know, I'm bummed out when I don't need to be because what I'm bummed out about isn't that big of a deal, you know. Um, So God wants to be transforming me and you in terms of where our minds are going and what we're stewing on, um, so that we can, um, so we can not miss out on all the opportunities that he has for us, both here and then the rewards that will uh, come from that in eternity. Um, so each of those times, God presents this opportunity to earn reward from him, and it all comes down to trusting, really, that he's a better judge than we are. Um, that, He's a perfect judge and that if we're patient, we will find absolute satisfaction in the judgment he dispenses Um, It's going to be worth the wait You know, we might think to ourselves, why does my day have to be so crappy right now? Why do I have to deal with this da-da-da-da right now? God is not like, you know, ignoring all these things All of these things, every moment um, Can yield reward for us Can shape our character now and can yield reward in eternity, you know Um, And so trusting God with that is what's going to bring about reward and shaping and uh, it's also going to free us from the self-consuming bitterness that can otherwise just kind of weigh down our lives and make them uh, more crappy than they need to be. Feedback, feedback. Give me your thoughts. Strike up some chat on our forums at christiangeekcentral.com. Leave a comment at youtube.com slash christiangeekcentral or patreon.com slash Productions. You type it, I read it, and might even share it on the show unless you tell me not to or want to be anonymous, that's fine too. You can also email me a text or audio message at p-a-e-t-e-r at spiritblade.com would love to hear from you guys anytime and most any way um there was some comments this week that uh that i'm not featuring on the show like um there was like reed benson put a cool video up on the in the fan zone section of the forums about the history of green lanterns which of course really strikes a chord with me i did not have a time to watch it i did not have time to watch it uh and also this week i'm just more crunched because i'm ending wednesday as my last day of this week i'm taking thursday and friday off and so there wasn't as much time for me to check out all the comments and also for those comments to build up you know and for me to have a number of them to choose from so I actually don't have any uh, comments or topic threads or anything uh, to uh, to bounce off of or use as a springboard this week but I still wanted to remind you guys I would love to hear from you so uh, reach out get uh, connect with me anytime you would like and as a reminder if you'd like some help finding a good church in your area I want to help you if I am able online resources and communities are good supplements but by nature they can't speak to your particular situation like relationships in a local church can. Any of you guys notice that yet with quarantine going on? Any of you guys notice that, that missing element in your life? Um, I've started to notice it, and I, I realized that, uh, you know, I got to get in touch with my discipleship buddy, and we need to start doing some webcam stuff, because we've had a two weeks off now, and I'm feeling it, I'm noticing it. And uh, you just, uh, I, I i need to have that time. I've really come to value it of just kind of confiding in someone and just saying, hey, this is what's going on. This is the dynamic going on in my family, in my life, in my mind right now. Um, so yeah, uh, and the context, getting back to my script, for almost everything in the New Testament assumes that we're serving and building purposeful relationships in a local church. So that's the ideal that's assumed. Um, Paul is always Talking about how he wants to be with the people he's writing letters to It's not the norm and it's not acceptable in his mind That we be separated from each other So whether you're in a church that lacks bible-based intentionality or not attending any church at all If I can help you get connected to an authentic, compassionate, bible-oriented church I want to do that You can email me at p-a-e-t-e-r at spiritblade.com And we can try to look at some websites of churches in your area together and now for my geek week what i've done what i have planned well this week i played more titan quest if you would have asked me a month ago if i was ever going to play titan quest again i would have said no but the process of doing that review i mean i didn't if you saw the video you know i didn't really like the 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 expansion because i wasn't suited for it you know my character level, you know, wasn't high enough And the 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 option they give you to level up Or you know, start a character that's, you know, supposed to be ready And high enough level for it Didn't feel ready at all for me So I did not enjoy my experience with that expansion But it made me think, oh, this does... I, I do want to get to this Can I like this game? Let me get back into it and try it one more time And I found that I was just far enough into the game To be past the stuff in the opening hours That was just not working for me at all Now this game is... It's totally working for me. I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, So, yeah, I played more uh, more Titan Quest. Uh, Deep Sky Derelicts is still... I mean, that game is probably going to be... I mean, it's almost certainly going to be in my top 10 list um, of games of the year when it comes around. I mean, I know it's still early in the year, but it's... I don't know, we're at least one quarter... We're past one-fourth of the year is done. I think I can say with great confidence that Deep Sky Derelicts is going to be in that top 10 video that I make, um, le- you know, late in the 2020. So, really enjoying that game. Um, Sword and Sorcery Immortal Souls, that's a tabletop uh, board game that kind of tries to condense down an RPG dungeon crawl experience into a tabletop board game that is automated. All the enemies are automated and stuff. And uh, I... I, got it, I completed setting it up, um, as I said, I was kind of in the middle of last week, and got back into a quest and have really been enjoying that, and I think I'm just going to keep that one set up for a while, and when I want to play something different and need table space for us, I'll just pull out our folding table and use that temporarily, rather than put sword and sorcery away, because it is a beast to get set up. But having the table space as I do in my office, I'm looking at it right now, <laughs> somewhat longingly. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's cool. All, the, the thing that makes it so interesting, and it's the same guys who made um, Galaxy Defenders. I almost said Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy. Same guys who made Galaxy Defenders. Very similar system. It's just fantasy trappings instead of sci-fi with some other significant changes. But it's the, in both of those games, they have these great uh, AI um, instructions for the, the enemies when they come out, you know, on the board and the AI also changes like each time, you know, you you draw, you, you bring out an enemy, many of them also have additional cards that you draw that modify even the default AI behavior and so it really, they really do seem to be alive and somewhat unpredictable, you know, I mean, you can gain the system definitely and like say, okay, well if I am here If this far away from him at the start of his next turn, then he's going to do this. And, okay, I can deal with that. That's fine, you know. But it's, you know, it feels similar to, like, if you were an experienced adventurer and you get to know the behavior patterns of your enemy and what they are very likely to do. So it's not immersion-breaking for me. And, uh, yeah, really, really enjoying playing that game solo. It's been a great solo experience for me. Um, Spider-Man PS4. I am maxed out at the highest level and uh, even before maxing myself out I, le- I left I was doing the, um, the the experience van glitch thing uh, which you can search if you want more details on I already talked about it on last week's episode and uh, I just left my I just left him spinning and flipping <laughs> and racking up XP for a couple days of work uh, one at the end of last week and one at the beginning of this week and uh, got back into the game having a grand old time and he's uh, finally feeling the way I want him to feel uh, So yeah And it's still like You know I still don't like being knocked around by bad guys By by street thugs Because I'm like this. that's what I mentioned in my review You know that like I don't like That Spider-Man can get knocked backward by a normal human. That that does not work for me. Just some average street thug can send him reeling if he gets a punch in. And that doesn't make any sense to me based on what I know of the character in all forms of media he has appeared in. So uh, so anyway, but but this way, I at least don't hit a fail condition, you know, when I run into that. It's just kind of like I'm not living... The, my, my punishment, you might say, well, Peter, it's too easy. It's too easy. No. For other people, maybe the the punishment, the thing that motivates them to do well in combat is to be able to continue. Well, I want to be able to take continuing through the game for granted. It's enough incentive for me that if I don't do combat well or dodge at the right times, I will see play out in front of me a version of Spider-Man that I do not like that I think, he's weak, this does, I don't like this, and so that motivates me, just seeing him get whacked around, even if it just takes up a little bit of his health, you know, because I've built up his health so much, you know, then it's, that's still enough motivation for me, because as I've mentioned before, I've really stumbled onto this metaphor that really works for me, playing video games, for me, is not about a challenge, but it's like, it's about playing with my digital action figures. And that metaphor works especially in third-person games like Spider-Man 4. But anyway, uh, so I, yeah, I, I am looking forward to getting... That's not like the main game I've been playing, but I'm looking forward to doing a whole lot more of that on my uh, birthday game-a-thon. Uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, I've played some more of um, since I got the uh, the the uh, DLC, the, the season pass, you know, to get into that. And then Ghost Recon Breakpoint, I have gotten back into uh, a good amount. Having a great time with that. And then, oddly enough, I find myself playing Skyrim, playing Elderast, um, but not doing the story missions, you know, because I told myself, well, I'm I'm not I'm not going to record uh, everything that I do with with Elderast necessarily. I still might want to just play without the lights on, without me, you know, role playing out loud, but just doing it in my head, and you know, and uh, and without making content, without kind of half working, you know. Uh, I found that I wanted to spend some time playing. Uh, that playthrough of my game and so i'm i took on like some side quests with him that have nothing to do with what uh, i'm going to be recording for for the patreon series but uh so yeah man it's funny how how fun that game is to come back to even having already put hundreds of hours into it years ago and i think the mods are going to make a difference i'm i'm definitely planning on downloading a mod that introduces a bunch of user created spells especially since i'm playing a full dedicated magic user for the first time um, i'm gonna just totally tap into all the potential for crazy spells that he could learn um so really looking forward to that and then i uh, suggested or or um invited you guys to hold me accountable to see whether or not i followed through and asked my son titus if he would want to play hero quest um, and make time to do that and I did give him the option but it was after he asked me if I would be if I would be willing to like upload and edit a number of videos for their private YouTube channel. Um and uh, that is monotonous it takes a good amount of time and so I gave him the choice I was like okay well I can either do that and do, you know, a handful of those videos today for you, or we can play Hero Quest together. Which one would you like? And he said that he wanted the video stuff done. And we still had some good time together as he sat, you know, up close to me and we created thumbnails and stuff that were funny or, you know, that fit what he wanted. So there was still a good point of connection there. I have to admit, it's it wasn't as lengthy of connecting time with him. Um, and, uh, it, yeah, and and it wasn't as um connective I guess as sitting down and playing a board game with him but uh, but anyway that's what I did instead um yeah so we'll see when the next time is we play hero quest uh and then I started reading the Jeff Johns run of the Flash from back in the early 2000s and that's in part as I'm you know reading rereading old comics of mine for the essential issues series i um, kind of doing a pre-read on it, not taking notes on it yet. I'll do that when I actually am ready to 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 uh, feature this storyline, if I do. But the first storyline that Jeff Johns did, I still don't like. I you know, I like the first two issues that he wrote because he gets right away. You can see that he's more character oriented than the writers that came before. Um, he the second, the first or second issue, I think maybe the second issue of that opening story where like Flash goes into a. Alice in Wonderland inspired mirror dimension type place. But the second episode or second issue is all from Captain Cold's perspective. And so for the first time, uh, I, we're getting information about. What drives Captain Cold? We're learning just a little bit, just little hints of what his family life was like growing up, you know. And that stuff, uh, if you've read Jeff John's run, it really does get fleshed out later on. This is a writer that clearly likes the rogues. He clearly likes these characters and has clearly spent time imagining what their lives might have been like growing up or what might be going on in their brains and then he writes stories that allow him to share those ideas you know and uh so but he didn't really cut loose with that i I wanted like the the rest of the series to be like through the eyes of captain cold or the rest of the storyline sorry to be through the eyes of Captain Cold, but he didn't go that route, um, and so ultimately I, I I lost interest in that storyline, I was like, okay, skip, let's start at the next story arc, because I remembered not liking this new writer and this new art style for Flash when they started at the time, but it was, it was like maybe a couple years later when I started to really enjoy Jeff Johns in other stuff, um, that uh that that made me think of those issues and wanting to go back to them well maybe i should read these again maybe i'm maybe i'll maybe i'll get more of the jeff johns vibe that i got from like jsa or green lantern or whatever maybe i'll appreciate it more now um and i think that might be the case we'll see because i did start the second story arc and already it's more interesting to me um, But some of it might also have been Just him not having the freedom To really cut loose with his own style In those very first issues of The Flash that he wrote But maybe the editor at that point After the first story arc was like Hey, let's keep this guy on and Jeff, go for it You know, I I don't know It'd be interesting to kind of know behind the scenes What was going on there As Jeff Johns was really in those early days Coming into his own This is before he was a big head honcho ch- Chief editor kind of guy over at DC, you know um, so that would be interesting to kind of know what what was going on behind the scenes. And, and it's interesting to go back and just kind of uh, see this writer flex his muscles and start to uh, uh, get more comfy in that space. So anyway, yeah, that's The Flash. By Jeff Johns And then finally this week I played just a little bit of Two Worlds 2 This is an open world fantasy RPG The sequel to Two Worlds uh, Which I really really enjoy Is actually one of my favorite games Um, I don't know if I would say of all time I don't think it makes my list Because it's just janky and broken enough On Xbox 360 (laughs) Um, But the second one Made some changes That make it really Have made it in the past Impractical for me to play as a Magic user But I just learned that there are cheats, console cheats, available for the Xbox 360 version of this game that I never used before. I don't know if I ever knew about them before. Uh, I, I certainly didn't use them before. That may help me compensate so that I can play the a Magic user and, f- and it f- have that experience feel the way I want it to feel. So, uh, But I got into that... Thinking that, you know, I wouldn't remain interested in uh, playing Eldorast as in playing as Eldorast in Skyrim during my off hours, you know So, But once I got into that, I was like, no, I, I, I am enjoying playing Eldorast in Skyrim, <laughs> believe it or not <laughs> Enough to keep going with that for a while So I don't know if I'll get back into uh, Two Worlds too. But seeing those cheats that are available that can allow me to modify the experience a bit um, I do like those two games, those two two Worlds games and uh, I've actually got uh, a couple of extra copies of them that I'm planning on giving away at some point, but I wanted to time it with the release, uh, or the announcement at least, of Two Worlds 3. It was uh, There was kind of like a... there were some stirrings, and I think confirmation that they were at least working on it. Yes, yeah, there's confirmation that they've been working on Two Worlds 3, but we, <laughs> there's been no word for like a year or two. And so we could hear... I, I thought last year at E3 we might hear something. And we didn 't and so i 'm wondering if this year, even though there 's no e three if we'll if if they'll announce it then or or what i don't know i don 't know, but uh anyway, stay tuned, I guess on that front, and as far as what 's coming up for me this week well i 've got my birthday game thon planned, um which if you are new to the podcast and have no idea what i 'm talking about that 's a tradition of mine every year for my birthday. I take a day off of work and spend it. Uh, Playing games by myself And without any interruptions It's it's something that I work out with Holly So that we can, you know So that she can manage the boys by herself completely While I do that, you know Um, And uh, it's just from sun up until Like I am ready to crash late at night I'm just in my office playing video games Or tabletop games or both This year it's going to be a combination of both um i'll have sword and sorcery set up of course that i plan to get back into that i'm going to set up a, a a temporary folding table in here to get some pathfinder the adventure card game going on which is still the reigning uh, dungeon crawler of choice for me at the tabletop uh these days and uh, i'm going to play a lot more of the games i already mentioned uh maybe not two worlds Two, but uh, pretty much a lot more of everything else that i mentioned and I'm going to eat my treats Oh my gosh It uh, it took a little bit of doing Because grocery stores these days Don't always have exactly what I want and when I want it And so part of my jogging actually Each morning has been to jog to, we have a grocery store that is not crazy far from us, and so I can actually, in the space of the hour that I'm jogging, jog there, get groceries, uh, a few things, stick them in my backpack, and uh, and then jog back, and then still have time, some time to go back out and finish, you know, an hour of jogging about, you know, so uh, I've been, you know, piecemeal in these little trips to my grocery store. <laughs> it's like, do you have this today? Oh, you do. Okay, well, not today? Okay, I'll drive back tomorrow. Um, but I have, like, so much stuff. I got Doritos, like, just the just standard nacho cheese Doritos. This is the part where you should probably skip ahead if you're trying to not eat foods. <laughs> Just look at the timestamps, jump ahead, because I'm going to eat my brownie after this, too. Uh, I got Skittles to fill up like a cup, like almost a mug of Skittles. And I bought some Kit Kats and some Reese's peanut butter cups, like the mini packs, like the, ba- the big bags that have like the mini versions of them. Bought, you know, some of those. And I bought two boxes of Crunchin' Munch. (laughs) and Oh, and my uh, fudge-enrobed mint cookies from Kroger, which I talked about uh, in recent installments posted of my Extra Life Marathon. They're basically like uh, Girl Scout thin mint cookies, but better. And that's not just me, okay? I've had other people do the taste test, and they agree. These are superior. Girl Scouts are in big trouble. Kroger is... In the house. <laughs> so I got those. What else? Um that might be that might be it. Oh, and I'm gonna pick up some donuts. I'm gonna pick up a couple quick trip donuts. Got a two-liter of Pepsi, and I'll get some two-liter. That's my backup two-liter, though. I'm actually gonna get um Pepsi's at the local gas station because I like the mix better in the uh in that gas station. <laughs> anyway uh so yeah i i took my measurement base i mean i'm not going full bore into like just gorging you know on stuff yet that's going to be reserved for saturday and then some of that on sunday as i kind of recover because i'm going to be up late not all night like extra life but enough that i'll still be tired the next day um and we got like a uh what do you call it a uh so a crack of the butt crack of dawn what do you call that uh, a sunrise a sun, sunrise uh easter service um do you think they would want to rename it the butt crack of dawn easter service <laughs> Uh, it's a sunrise Easter service that, is, that our church is streaming um, that Holly wants to watch live. And so even though I'm going to be staying up late the night before, I'm going to get up, drag myself out to the living room for the sunrise Easter service. And then after that, crash again. <laughs> and then still probably doing, be doing some recovery after that. But anyway, so yeah, uh, uh, I lost my total train of thought. But oh, oh, I remember. Um, so I, t- I took my measurement on Wednesday, or, which is this morning. And I told myself leading up today, I'm like, I'm taking this measurement and then no carb is safe. And I've already ingested some carbs today that I wouldn't normally. I'm not going crazy. But uh, speaking of which, the time has now come. I am going to enjoy these brownies, at least one of them, right here in your hearing. All right. I even took a little quick edit break so I could run out and microwave these because holly recommended that i microwave them because they are delicious when microwaved she also said that the uh the caramel syrup that my parents left at our house a couple months ago goes really well on them and so i put it on one of them and i'm gonna have it right now so here we go oh look at that fork going in that is that is a beautiful thing mmm mmm Happy birthday to me. Happy mm hmm mm, mm. oh. <laughs> Happy birthday, dear Peter. Happy birthday mm to me. Let me try one of these. That was that was just the traditional one. Let me try one with the um with the caramel on it. Mmm. Hmm. It's not standing out as much as I would have thought. Hmm. Maybe I'll finish that one later. I'll put some more caramel on it. One more bite of the traditional one here. Mmm mmm. Oh my gosh. Mmm. Mmm mmm. That. Oh. <laughs> that's some good living right there that's that's some good living all right and that's my geek week that's all for this week guys uh, i want to thank SpeculativeFaith.com and mark carver again for sharing that article with us stay tuned after the credits for b5 Swarma with adam david collings commenting episode by episode on one of his favorite sci-fi shows babylon 5 or You can jump back to episode 575 if you want to start at the beginning. As a reminder, you can find episodes 0 through 500 of this podcast archived as the Spirit Blade Underground podcast at spiritblade.com. Next week, if God allows it anyway, I'll share a review of a little movie called Sea Fever, which looks to be greatly inspired by John Carpenter's... I still got a little bit of that brownie in me, in my mouth. Uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. Uh, And a very isolated Like a nasty gory monster And people isolated out in the middle of the sea And uh, it's going to be streaming I think beginning this Friday Or maybe Monday I can't remember I think I'm planning on reviewing it Monday Because I'm just going to be doing other things on Friday But uh, that is my plan at least at this point Maybe there will be one or two other things that I'll share Of course the normal things like my Geek Week and, and whatnot. Uh, but anyway, uh, have a great Easter, guys um, I hope that no, no matter what your circumstances are And how connected you're able to be to your local church That uh, you're able to connect in some way with some other believers That you can uh, uh, celebrate and remember in a slightly um, more intentional way uh, Just the the resurrection of Jesus And the hope that that gives us The, the new life and purpose and pro- all the promises that we have Because of that um, it's uh, you know God didn't invent the Easter holiday as many of you guys know uh, Easter itself actually that word is that refers to like a pagan holiday and, and Christians kind of appropriated it at some time in similar ways to Christmas and so you know it's not that as Christians you know we need to celebrate this special day once a year or whatever um, and uh, and and you know, the Holy Spirit through Paul even tells us, you know, that uh, that some people count days as more special than others And, you know, as, as long as we're all doing living life to the glory of God, however we can, you know, that's the idea And so, uh, but If you're able to, to have a little bit more of an extra intentional time just reflecting On uh, what we have because uh, the, the, And the hope we have because of the resurrection, the, the physical, bodily, real, actual resurrection Of Jesus Um, I hope that that can be a a good experience for you this weekend. And uh, until next time, please consider supporting the work of Christian Geek Central and Spirit Blade Productions and earning some fun rewards by becoming a Spirit Blade Insider of any subscription tier at patreon.com slash spiritbladeproductions. I'd also be grateful for positive reviews wherever you find this podcast. Thank you guys so much for making time for this show. I hope you have a great week and that you'll join me next time here on the Christian Geek Central Podcast as we continue to geek out... And seek the truth. The Christian Geek Central podcast is a community supported endeavor of Spirit Blade Productions. This podcast is produced by Painter Framson with support from the Christian Geek Central community at ChristianGeekCentral.com. For information about the latest entertainment and resources from Spirit Blade Productions, visit SpiritBlade.com. Thank you for listening.
1: And so it begins. It. I want it all back. The way that it was. it's the same anymore. Why do I still have to remind myself that she's... Why gone. don't you eliminate the entire non-homeworld? Stand between the darkness and the light. Declaring martial
0: law. Tell my own government wants, wants to kill me to get off their encounter suited butt and do something. Any crew that executes an order like that is guilty of war crimes Being a freedom fighter is a wonderful thing. But the pay sucks. so oh, we're screwed. Now get the hell out of our galaxy!
1: And that was Chrysalis, our final episode of Season 1. The description on the Lurker's Guide reads, A dying man leads Garibaldi to a discovery that could cost him his life. Londo receives help in a dispute with the Narns. Something begins to happen to Delenn. And this episode first aired on the 26th of October 1994. In story structure, the inciting event tends to coincide with the first plot point at the 25% mark of the novel today's episode is babylon 5's inciting incident. it marks the end of act one it forces our characters to react and drives the major conflict of the entire story our tale begins with something pretty typical for season one of b5 the centauri and the Nan are arguing this time over quadrant 37 according to the treaty it's neutral territory but the Narn claim that this treaty was signed under duress. The details don't really matter. The point is, Centauri ships and outposts are being attacked by the Narn, and this is causing Londo many headaches. Meanwhile, a lurker named Petrov, who works as an informant for Garibaldi, crawls onto the Zoklo with a knife in his back. They're going to kill him, Petrov says as he dies. And a mystery is birthed. So far this is playing out just like any other TV show in the 90s would. It's like a crime drama. Garibaldi will investigate, find the culprit and save the day, right? He asks around down below, but nobody will talk. Life's cheap down here friend, one of them says. Funny how the only time you care is when one of your weasels gets it. Fair point. The investigation leads Garibaldi to a shocking and inescapable conclusion, Someone is trying to assassinate the president. JMS broke all expectations in a most shocking way with this episode. Garibaldi is shot in the back by his aide before he can do anything. Remember back in TKO, his mate told him to watch his back? That was foreshadowing this moment. While Garibaldi is investigating, we get this great scene with Londo and Veer, with another one of Londo's misunderstandings of human jokes. I feel like I'm being nibbled to death by one of those earth creatures. Feathers. Webbed feet. Go quack. Cats, Veer says. Yes, cats. I feel like I'm being nibbled to death by cats. I've always loved that exchange. Just so funny. Anyway. Our beloved villain, Mr. Morden, appears and offers to help Londo. You have potential. My associates would like to help. Londo doesn't buy it. You come to a time when you look in the mirror and you realise what you see is all you will ever be. Londo doesn't like the idea of who he is, but he sees no way back to the glory days, and he's kind of sadly resigned to it. Morden tells him to tell his superiors... That he'll personally take care of Quadrant 37. And this is it. This is the great turning point in Londo Molari's life. This is where everything is decided. This is one of those moments you wish you could go back in time and make another choice. What he says next will determine the destiny of the rest of his life and launch him into a great Greek tragedy. Morden doesn't even want the credit. He just says, we'll ask you for a favour someday. And so, Londo takes a leap of faith, and bets on Morden. Remember those creepy spidery ships that we glimpsed in Signs Importance? We get a good look at several of them this time, as they obliterate the Narn Outpost like it's nothing. These ships are seriously creepy. In a few seasons, someone will describe these ships as Those ships that look like they came straight out of hell. During all of this, something's going on with Delenn. She's finished constructing the device in her quarters, but she needs to see Kosh. To have certainty that what she believes is true. And he exits his suit. We don't see what she sees, but we do hear the flapping of wings. Delenn is convinced. Yes, I will keep my promise. You won't see me again, as I am now. She seeks out Sinclair, wants to tell all her secrets about the Battle of the Line, but he's distracted because Garibaldi has disappeared. Well, Garibaldi is found when he stumbles into the middle of a New Year's Eve party. Now he's undergoing surgery. He may not live. He'll certainly never walk again. Nobody else knows what he's discovered. And then we watch that amazing scene as Earth Force One explodes, taking the president and all of his staff with it but that's not how TV works. The good guys are supposed to win. This kind of thing just wasn't done. And this is not just a standalone little moment for shock value. This impacts everything. This sets the plot of Babylon 5 in motion. JMS lived through the assassination of JFK, and he tried to portray the same feelings of shock and disbelief that were felt by everyone at that moment in history. Did you notice that Vice President Clark left Earth Force One due to sickness, just before it exploded? Earlier in this episode, Sinclair proposes to Catherine. It's a really nice moment. He's so awkward, and you can tell from the way that Catherine looks at him as he goes through his speech, that she totally adores him. I'm going to (sighs) sneeze. Where was I? <laughs> yeah, Catherine's got this, this is, the way she's looking at him, was like, you can just tell that she adores him. Uh, great performance there. It's nice to see these two have finally gotten their acts together. We get another touching character moment when Garibaldi and Ivanova are asked to be best man and maid of honour. It was fitting that this episode was taking place during New Year's Eve. Just like with Star Trek, this show was designed so that each season is a year of story time. And this is the end of the season, so it's the end of the year. New Year is a time of transition, a time when people expect things to change. It fits thematically with the story. So while Earth mourns the loss of their president, Londo's name is being praised in the high circles of Centauri government. He's on the rise. It's everything he's always wanted. But he's horrified at the death of 10,000 nuns. This is called Consequences, Londo. Get used to it you've made your choice. It's funny because early on Londo seemed like the comic relief character, but no, he's got a lot of dramatic depth to his arc. Kosh reminds Sinclair to visit Delenn and utters those words again. And so it begins. It's fitting. The real plot of Babylon 5 has begun. Unfortunately, Sinclair is too late. Delenn is in a cocoon, artificially generated by the device, powered by the Triluminary linear says that she's changing but he doesn't know what into this whole cocoon thing chrysalis this is not a natural aspect of the mimbari species there's this scene where morden is in a room and these shadowy figures that kind of look like giant spiders appear out of nowhere and we learn that they've been with him all along remember back in signs importance where kosh confronted morden and i said that kosh wasn't actually speaking to him Kosh was speaking to the invisible aliens either side of him. Morden is just a human. Morden isn't worthy of Kosh's time. As the episode closes, Sinclair mutters, nothing's the same anymore. And he's right. This episode has shaken up the status quo of the story in the most profound way. All of our characters will spend the next four years reeling from these events, and many others that will shake up the status quo even more. And there we have it. Season 1 of Babylon 5 I've enjoyed watching through this season. It's had some rocky moments. It certainly pales in comparison to the awesomeness of later seasons. Three and four are the best. But it's important all the same. The purpose of the first act of a story is to set things up, introduce the characters, the setting, and foreshadow what will happen later in the book. To that end, Season 1 of Babylon 5 accomplishes exactly what it's supposed to. It also allowed JMS to ease viewers in slowly. Audiences were not used to this type of storytelling on TV. They were used to standalone shows with no real consequences. There was a mild learning curve here. Can you just imagine what a shock this last episode would have been to people with the mindset of the day? Now we move into the first half of the second act with Season 2 of Babylon 5. I'm really excited to join you next week for Points of Departure. I'll see you then.